You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, you may be seated. So good to see you guys. Glad you came back. You're never too old for snow cones, right? I've asked some of you that this morning, and uh, and so far everybody has said absolutely not. And you know, I make sure that my kids, because I will have a snow cone, like you can't go back and tell my mom that I'm eating stuff that's not good for me. So uh, kids, you have my permission. Actually, do whatever your mom and dad says. But uh, anyway, I am doing a little poll though with snow cones. Kids, I want to ask you this morning. So we've got three flavors. We've got blue raspberry and cherry and lime. And I want to know as kids, how many of you are like the blue, blue raspberry? Like that's your jam right there. I'm seeing a section here, like, one, you sat on the wrong side of the, the church today. I don't know what the deal is. How many cherry is like your snow cone flavor? All right, cherry is definitely winning out. Yep, and how many lime? How many of you just, you're just strange people. Yep, I, that's, that's kind of, I got the lime because there's always those few people in the crowd. So uh, anyway, we'll have, we'll have fun in just a bit. We really did hope to be outside uh, for the service, but just... You don't know what the rain's going to do, and you've got thousands of dollars of sound equipment. Electricity and water just don't go very well together, and uh, so anyway, we'll be inside it uh, for today. So I want to share with you this morning about the security that we have in, in Jesus. Security is the one of the, if not the top things that we crave. We lock our doors at night, and we want to be safe. We want to be secure physically. We want to be secure emotionally. We want to be secure in the relationships in which we're in. It is a big thing in our life. Uh, a number of years ago, my uh, family and I, much smaller uh, then, much younger, uh, we were flying to visit my parents in Pensacola, Florida. They live, uh, Pensacola, if you don't know it, is, uh, it's right on the, the Gulf side of the ocean. And so we boarded the plane here in Albany. And my oldest daughter was three at the time not even quite three, just about to turn three. And I was explaining to her what was going on, you know, trying to be a good dad, and here's what's going to happen, here's what's going next, we're going to go up high. She'd never flown before, and, you know, I'm kind of, you know, this is cool, I get to take my little girl on a plane and thinking, you know, I'm being such a good dad, helping her know what's coming down the line, and had lots of questions as a, you know, inquisitive kid, and she pulled out the little, you know, the safety card that's in the seat, you know, that shows you, like, the life jackets and all of that, and what's this, and I mean, it's cold. Colorful, so a little kid, you know, naturally. I'm like, well, that's if the plane, you know, ends up having to falls into the water and crashes and explain it, and you know, life jackets, it's right here. I didn't give it a thought, you know. I just I just a little clueless that way. And so when we we were flying into Pensacola and there was a it was the hurricane Opal had just gone through like the day before. So we were it's one of those things like, are we going, are we delayed or not? And so when we start descending down into, keep in mind, there, Pensacola's right there on the water. The airport's right there near the water. And, you know, I was showing her the pictures before. And all of a sudden, we're coming in pretty nice, you know, air. But we hit a pocket of air that just on the left over that hurricane, and we dropped. And all of a sudden, my little two-and-a-half, three-year-old girl let out this primordial scream. <laughs> You know, she's looking out the windows or coming for a landing, sees water, and I'm just in her little brain. I'm sure she's like, that's it. We are going in. And I thought, I am the stupidest dad <laughs> in the entire world, you know. Nobody had to tell my little girl that she needed to be safe. And her silly dad told her that, yeah, this world is unsafe. So we, 
We crave that in our life. And this morning, as we talked a couple weeks ago, that Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But what he's telling us this morning is how secure as his followers that we really are in life, that we are so unbelievably secure. Jesus, This is the last, in, in John chapter 10 is where we'll be looking at, this is the last public teaching time that Jesus has before his final week on earth. I know we're like 10 chapters away from the end of the book of John, but in Jesus' life, we're toward the very end. So he's kind of wrapping up his real formal teaching ministry. And the people, the, the leaders, religious leaders, they were threatened by him. They didn't like him. They didn't want him around. They were... They just they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So they were looking for an excuse at every turn how they could um, how they could accuse him, how they could get rid of him. And so they finally, out of frustration, just said, Would you just finally tell us whether or not you're the, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ or not? And Jesus answered them very clearly. He said, I've shown you the works. If you don't believe me for what I've said, believe what I'm doing. I've shown you all the miracles that I've done. And they're kind of like, there you go cryptically again. And Jesus is just like, I've told you very plainly who I am. And he said, the reason you don't believe is not because there's not enough evidence. The reason you don't believe is because you're really not a follower of mine. You're not one of my sheep. And that's where we pick it up here in John chapter 10. You can look on the screen or pull out your phone and follow there if you'd like. But John 10, the Bible says this. Jesus says, My sheep, not like you who are accusing me, but my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. They'll never die. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Nobody's stronger, nobody's bigger, nobody has more authority, nobody, he's greatest of all. And no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And at that point, we won't read it, but the rest of the chapter, they, they get incensed because they pick up stones. Jesus is circled by these people these leaders that had come to ask him plainly, ready to accuse him, they weren't looking to learn and to grow. They were looking to accuse him, to get rid of him, because they wanted power and authority. And so they pick up stones when they heard that he claimed to be one with the Father to stone him. I don't know how Jesus kept his composure, but you circle me around with a bunch of rocks to throw at me, I'm probably going to come unglued, you know? I'm probably going to fight back or do something. And Jesus is like, for which of the things have I done? Are you going to stone me? All the wonderful things I've done. They said, not for that stuff, because you it's for blasphemy. You just being a human being claim to be God. And the rest of the story continues from there. I want you to notice this morning three things. Three things that, that the Bible's telling us that helps us to know about the security that we have. First thing I want you to recognize is the real sheep. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, Jesus came to speak to all of the, the people of Israel. And all of Israel, if you were Jewish, you were religious. It was just, it was who you were. You believed in God. You were a follower. You were listening. You were, you were that person. You weren't an atheist if you were hanging out in first century you know, Israel. And so Jesus said, I've come from my sheep. You're, you're not my sheep. Oh, yeah, you believe in God. Oh, yeah, you read the Bible. Oh, yeah, you go to church every week. 
but you're not really my sheep. I've come for my sheep. And here's the three marks of the sheep of Jesus. They recognize his voice. They hear it. They hear the voice of Jesus. Jesus knows them, and they follow him. Very simply. This world has a lot of voices calling out to each of us. I think parents, we are, get terrified for the voices that call out, the influences in the world toward our kids when they're not around us. There are so many voices to listen to and so many opinions and so many movements. I, I get a little more frustrated today. I don't know if I'm more aware than I was of the world around me when I was much younger, or if the world really has changed in media, but it seems like half the news articles that I even read aren't really telling me facts anymore. They're just telling me what I should think and what I should believe. And I get frustrated with that. I just, I don't care if it's left, right, middle, conservative, liberals, just tell me the facts. I'm able to figure out what I want to believe on my own. I don't need you telling what I should believe and coloring all of that. You see, there's so many voices telling us the way we should live, what we should do, what we should believe, what we should value, and all of that barging in. But Jesus' sheep hear His voice above all of that noise, and they respond to it, and they follow Him. Most of you here this morning, at some point in your life, have heard that voice. You've heard not, not the audible voice of Jesus. I've never met anyone yet that really heard the audible voice of Jesus. But we hear God speaking into our life through His Word and through life, and we begin searching and trying to understand and making sense of this world and finding hope and peace and direction, finding the love that our opening video talked about, the love that our songs we sing about, and what that is, is the voice of God, the voice of Jesus coming above all of the noise and the mess and the, the sounds around us, and we hear that voice. Kind of like a mom who can be in a room with lots of loud kids, but when their kid cries, when their baby screams, when their baby calls out mama, somehow that mom knows exactly their child. That's the thing, is that when... God calls us as His sheep. We hear His voice above all of that. And it changes our life. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a high school student. He was a senior. His name was Yvonne. Not here. He was actually in Potsdam, further up north, at a church I was pastoring then. And uh, we had like a, a week-long vacation Bible school for kids. We did it at night because our, our, we didn't have retirees in our church, so we didn't have enough people to do it during the day. And and we didn't have anything for, for teenagers during that time. It was for elementary age kids. But Yvonne, for whatever reason, it just kind of started coming to our church. He didn't grow up going to church at all. In fact, he was kind of grew up in a home that was an atheistic home. Just, just God wasn't real, wasn't anything like that. But his mom took it. He wanted to go to church, and so his mom brought him, would drop, drop him off, and he would come and hang out that week, every night. And for the first couple of nights, he talked to like our deacons, our, our leaders, and it was just so fascinating. Here's a kid, never been brought up in church, completely comfortable with adults, and asking them all kinds of spiritual questions. And the last night of it, he sat down, and I guess it was my turn, he wanted to talk to me. And he asked me all the hard questions that people ask, like the social obstacles. He asked me, what about abortion? What does the Bible say about abortion? What about homosexuality? He asked me all of these things, and I, I unpacked for him what the Bible taught. And I'll never forget, he sat down, as he was sitting there, 
he kind of looked down after I just simply just, I didn't say, uh, I didn't try to convince him anything. I just opened the Bible, says, here's what it says. Here's what the Bible says. And he said, this is so strange as he just sat there thoughtfully and he was processing. He said, I used to believe the exact opposite of this, but I don't understand it. But this is what I believe now. I literally just watched in his heart begin to hear the voice of God in the middle of that. And it was after that that I could share the gospel with him. And, and he's like, I, I believe that. I want, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me. So I've seen where God, no matter what the crazy world around us is and believes and does, that the voice of Jesus still comes into this world and he calls his, he calls his people, he calls to them. And we hear that. And we respond. And I got a chance to see that just kind of unfolding in a person's heart. It's the same thing that happens to everyone. So real sheep hear the voice of Jesus. They respond to it. Jesus knows them. He knows his sheep. He knows them by name. The real question that people you know, will even say, well, pastor, I know that you know, I know Jesus and all of this. And, and that's such an important conversation that I have with most everybody. But the real question is not so much, do you know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? <laughs> does he claim to know you? You know, it's not, do we claim to know him? It's not what we, where we are, but it's where he is. Jesus says, I know my sheep. They hear my voice. And the third mark is, is they follow me. You see, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, the followers of Jesus... His sheep are those who hear His voice and they surrender to that voice. They pursue that voice. They pursue the voice of the shepherd because they want to be with Jesus, because they want to be with the one that gives them safety and hope and salvation and provision and protection and all in their life. And they surrender. They follow. They believe in that voice and they follow. If I came to you and after this, when we're done, and I came to you and said, hey, come, out, come outside with me, would you? In my car, I've got $1,000 I want to give to you. Um, that would be uncharacteristic of me, and you would all know it, because I've never done that to any of you before. You would probably first ask my wife, is your husband okay? Is he, you know, is there something going on? What? And you would probably, you know, just be like, what? What are you talking about, Sean? If you really believed me, you would follow. You would come out and you would follow. You see, us following Jesus is us believing in him, but it's us surrendering and taking those steps to follow him. That's what it means to be his sheep. Some of you, this, most of you this morning have taken that. You've heard the voice of Jesus and you've taken that step simply to say, Jesus, I want you in charge of my life. I want you to be my shepherd. Forgive me of my sins. I know Jesus died for me as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, and I yield myself to you. Forgive me. I want to follow you. That's the moment when we become followers of Jesus, and that's our job. Now, the second thing I want us to recognize this morning is, and I, I had to kind of tee up this point with the first one, is, is that there is real security when we're Jesus' sheep. 
You see, Jesus doesn't give security to just anybody and everybody. He doesn't give it to everybody. He gives it to his sheep. His followers have tremendous security. He says, my sheep know me. I know them. They recognize, recognize my voice and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one's going to take them out of my hand. And my father, who's even bigger than me, is going to protect them. And nobody can take them out of his hand. There's such security that Jesus gives us in our life as his followers. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. We don't have to live in doubt and wonder. There's several implications of this for our life, guys. It means, one, it means that we cannot, ultimately, you cannot lose our salvation. Jesus says, nobody can take you out of relationship with me. You can't, it can't happen. It's an impossibility. One person I heard said, that's true. Nobody can steal you out of Jesus' hand, but you can jump out of his hand. I guess kind of like a frog, you know. Your kid, kids, I don't know if you've catch, caught a frog before. You kind of have to hold on to them and they jump out of your hand. But folks, let's just back up and think about this a little more logically and carefully. Everybody is a somebody. I don't mean somebody big, but everybody is a somebody. If nobody can snatch you out of Jesus' hand, you're one of those somebodies that can't pull you even yourself out of Jesus' hand. You can't even do it to yourself. It's not possible. In fact, sheep don't, true sheep follow Jesus, don't ever want to leave the shepherd. I'm not saying they don't wander away, but they like being sheep because they, Jesus has called them, he's saved them, and he's pulled us toward him. And beyond that, to look at the passage more carefully, we tend to fixate on the, you know, the, the security in my hand and God's hand. But what Jesus says before that, it says, yeah, they're my sheep and I give to them eternal life. This is the biggest reason why we should recognize that you can't ever lose your salvation. You can't. I've lost so many things in life and keys and stuff, and I bet you have too. But what Jesus tells us is this gift that he gives us is eternal. By nature, being eternal means it lasts forever. And it doesn't last forever on the side of the road lost. It lasts forever with us. It's our life that lasts forever. And so we will never, ever perish. It by nature is eternal. If you go out and buy something today, and you look and you're like, want to read, how many of you are warranty people? Like, you saved the file, you got the warranties, you checked the specs, you got it all. Some of you, okay, that's awesome. I would not have expected that, Sean. I would have thought that would have been Christine's deal, but anyway. So, warranties, right? If you buy something that says a lifetime warranty, what does that really mean? It doesn't mean the thing you just bought is never going to wear out. It doesn't mean that it's not going to eventually break. It doesn't mean that it's going to rest you for the rest of your life. All that it's warranting is, is that whoever manufactured that thing, they did it right, and there's no defect in it. And if there is a defect, you can bring it back. I don't ever remember once having to go back and take something with a lifetime warranty back because they made it wrong. Or they probably wouldn't warranty the thing, they'd lose money. But lifetime warranties really don't do much. Jesus' warranty of eternal life is by nature eternal. It lasts forever. So when we have a relationship with Him, 
It never goes away. When He forgives us our sins, we don't die, right? Sin is what leads us to death. Sin is the, what brings death into this world. It's what, why we die spiritually. It's why ultimately we die physically. And when Jesus gives us life, what He's saying is, is I have fixed all of that, and they will never die. In other words, we will never, ever experience the ultimate results of our sin. It by nature is eternal. See, we are so secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ when we become His sheep that we don't ever have to doubt that. Every other relationship in this world, you will probably go through a season of wondering where exactly you stand with somebody. You'll wonder, did I say something wrong at work that offended my coworker? Did I do something to get my boss angry at me? Did I do something as a parent that I need to go and ask my kid forgiveness? Is this relationship damaged? Am my relationship with my spouse? Are we going to be able to get through? We, we live at risk in every earthly relationship at some level. But what Jesus is telling us is that we never live at risk in our relationship with Him, ever. Because when, we, when He died on the cross for our sins, He died for our sins, not just that the things that we've done in the past, but the things that we will ever do in the future. God, who doesn't live inside of time, who lives outside of time, when you ask forgiveness for your sins and you surrender your life to Jesus and you trust on what Jesus did on the cross to save you, that God in heaven is forgiving you not only of everything in your past, but because He's God, He knows everything you've ever done in the future, and He declares you in that moment to be righteous and good, that even though you're a little stinker, even though you're a little sinner in your heart, that He forgives everything in your past, He forgives everything in your future, and you are good in the eyes of God. You are so secure. Now sometimes, and this is a second implication, sometimes you and I don't feel that secure. And we wonder, do I really know Jesus? Am I really saved? And we begin to doubt that. That's a normal thing. If you have experienced that, you are 98.6 normal. If it happens regularly, constantly in your life, then something's wrong. Does it mean that you don't know Jesus? Not necessarily. It might, but it might mean some other things. Think about it this way. If I you know, go home and don't talk to my wife today, and I get up tomorrow and I don't talk to her tomorrow, and I get up the next day and I don't talk to her the next day, and I just decide I just don't want to come home, and I just want to do other things the next day. And, and over time, I'm going to stop feeling like I'm married. Even though there is a marriage certificate somewhere in my house, I don't know exactly where it would be. I saw it once for sure. I know we're married. I remember saying I do. But I would stop feeling that way, even though it was reality. Why? Because I'm not spending any time with my wife. And over time, I'm going to you know, think less and less just going down that road. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we just honestly become a little distant from God. And it's not that we've lost our salvation. It's just, yeah, we've become a little ne negligent in the relationship and aren't focused on it. Sometimes we're going off into sin and disobeying God, which is a conscious decision in our heart to say, God, I don't care what you say. I know this is wrong. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm in charge of my life and not you. And God says, so be it. And we don't feel lots of warm fuzzies toward God in that moment. Why? 
Because God is wanting to deal with our sin, and we don't feel like we're in this wonderful relationship with God, because in that moment, we're not experiencing it, because God needs to deal with our sin. So there's reasons why we don't feel it. But our salvation is not based on what we feel. And this is the third implication. It's based in the reality of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, our keeping of our salvation is not based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus did. It's not based on how we live today. It's based on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You see, He's the one that forgives us. He's the one that did all the heavy lifting. All we did was say, thank you. And because Jesus saves us, and it's kept the same way that we get it, it's through faith in Him and what He did on the cross, and He did all of that work, then it doesn't matter where we've gone in life after that. You can't undo what God has done and says is done. And what He says is done is that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west, just completely gone. So what that means is when you and I go down that road, and we will all go down that road farther than we should, and we realize that we are disobeying God, and we've gotten into sin and, and begun, gotten into an area of our life, and we begin realizing, like, this is no fun. This is miserable. Sin will eventually cause you great misery. It's always fun and looks good to begin with. 100% of the time, or you wouldn't do it. Nobody once said, oh, there's a rattlesnake there. That looks like fun. I'm going to reach in and play with that. It always looks fun. It always is enticing but it always has a wicked bite on the back end of it, and we start saying, realizing eventually, why did I do that? Why did I blow this up? Why did I mess that relationship up? Why did I... Why? Because we begin experiencing it. And in the middle of that, when we're real sheep, we don't have to wonder, oh my goodness, is God just going to kick me to the curb and throw me out the window? Is He going to fire me from work? Is He going to divorce me in my, you know, my marriage, my relationship with Him? And what Jesus is telling us is that God never does that. That we're secure in that. And that when we come to terms and come to grips with that, oh, we need to feel the reality and the pain of that sin. And we need to say, God, please forgive me. I've I've taken advantage of your grace, and I've abused that, and I've done wrong, and we ought to absolutely fall on our face before Him. But we do it in confidence, knowing that He loves us. We don't do it so that somehow He'll, you know, re-forgive us, but we do it because He has forgiven us. And it's to restore that, that relationship, that experiential part of that relationship with Him. So, our hope and trust is always 100% with Him. That It's not a performance that we have to do. Have you ever had been in a relationship with somebody that they treated you right if you were, you know, performed and did everything perfectly? But if not, you were wondering if you were going to be around. Some of you probably were raised in a home that way. You felt like you were walking around on eggshells with your, you know, your mom, your dad, or your guardian, or your foster mom and dad. You know, you just get in trouble. We don't ever have to do that with God. That God loves us. There are no eggshells to walk around. Jesus walked through all of those already when He died on the cross, and He forgives us. He just wants us to recognize our sin and to go before Him and cast ourselves on Him and say, forgive me. 
and walk in that full assurance and that full love and that full security and that full grace of our life. Some of you have walked through life pretty insecure, just, just the life that you've experienced and relationships that you've had. And God wants you to know that as you follow Jesus, that you are so secure in every area, every area. Well, Sean, that's all well and good, but what do you do about somebody when they're a child or maybe a teenager or even an adult who prays a prayer to ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin and they believe in God and they seem to be doing all the right stuff and then five years down the road, five months, five years, 25 years, they just turn their back on God and they don't care at all about it and they not only don't go to church, but they, they, they just don't believe it. It's not that they're even just having a hard time. They just are totally living completely opposite. They're really not obeying Jesus. They're really not following Him in any way. What do you do with them? Didn't they lose their salvation? There's only one of two options. Either they just are being a bad sheep in that, for that season of time of their life, which God allows us to do. Look at what David ended up doing. King David ended up committing adultery, committing murder. God will let you go far down a road away from him. But he will eventually say, enough. And we ran out of chain and he pulls us back toward him. Not vengefully. He does it firmly. And he does it lovingly. But he says enough. So sometimes those people that you see are just going the wrong direction but it's not because they don't know Jesus or they lost their salvation. It's just because they're being really bad sheep in that moment. They're being what we are, and that's sinners. Most often, though, from what I've seen, is the people really just never trusted Jesus to begin with. They really weren't real sheep. And that even though they grew up in church and heard the gospel and they made a commitment and a prayer, it was something that was more on the outside and it was not a surrendering on the inside. And eventually, their life catches up to that and they begin to align their life with what they really believe and what they really want to do and the results of that show. You see, the issue is, is if we really are followers of Jesus, yeah, He saves us and it's real salvation and real security. But if we're not real sheep, Eventually that will show, and people go off the whole nother way. So third thing I want you to recognize, not only are we real, real sheep, experience real security, but that real security we experience is because Jesus is the real son. He's not the fake one, he's the real deal. You see, the Jews got mad when he said, I and the Father are one. Jesus says, look, this makes sense. You're completely secure with me. You're secure with God. Everything is good. And the reason is because I and the Father are one. We are one in purpose. We are one in direction. We are even uniquely one in a way as Father and Son differently than the rest of the world is. And the Jews knew it. They picked up stones to kill Him. And Jesus, if they misunderstood Jesus, He would have said, whoa, 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 I don't think you understood. I wasn't claiming to be God. Oh, they got the message clearly that He was claiming to be God. And He even supported it. The reason that you and I are so secure is because Jesus really is the one who came from the one God in heaven to reveal himself to you and to me. Other religions and other faiths, I don't care whether it's Muhammad who invented Islam, if it's Joseph Smith who invented Mormonism, 
or any of the others that claim to speak for God. Only Jesus is God who became man, who came not to just declare the way for us to know Him, but He came to die for us so He could be the way that we could know Him. And He gave us such security in that relationship with Him. I'm not sure if most of us... there. As a pastor, here's what I've, what I've seen in people's lives. There are people who feel secure in their relationship with God that as I talk with them, like, you really don't know God. Like, you ought to feel insecure so that you would then trust Jesus and experience that security. And then there's others who really do know Jesus that are struggling. They're feeling guilty of their sin because they know how bad sin is and they're wrestling with it and the enemy comes in and speaks to them and they, they feel the shame and the guilt and they can't get over it and they're, they're struggling. I want to say, look, yeah, you messed up, but get over it. Jesus did 2,000 years ago. He forgave you and you are so secure in Him right now. Recognize that, that there's nothing that you could do. When I, growing up, I was not a perfect kid. If you were to ask my sister, she would say, I never got in trouble, that it was always her. She was the bad one. I was just a little bit smarter than her. I, got a, I could hide it a little bit better, you know, being a little older. But I got in trouble plenty too. She's convinced I wasn't, you know, never did. But my parents loved me. I'm grateful for that relationship growing up with them. Some of you didn't have that or experience that. But even when I got in trouble, I never once doubted. I never once thought, oh no, that's it. My parents are going to kick me off the, into the street and just abandon me. I never once, because they had such love in my life and provided and cared for me and never threatened or manipulated any of that kind of stuff with me. But they still said, but you're our kid. And because you're our kid, you need to act a certain way. And they, they addressed that. They told me what I should do, and they corrected me when I didn't, and life worked beautifully. That's pretty much the same way that it does for us as followers of Jesus. He's not going to undo and kick us out of the relationship with Him and out of the family of God because of our sin. But what He will do is be really tough with you and say, because you are my kid, I love you, and I'm not going to let you get away with it, and I have better for you, and you can do this, but I'm going to hold you accountable, and he draws us in. So don't, don't look bad at the stuff that when you feel like God is, is convicting you and dealing with your sin, instead of seeing it as bad that you're in, you know, awful and all of that, yeah, you did mess up. But see it as the love and graciousness of a father who cares for you who will never throw you away and never reject you, his own children. And be secure in that relationship. So before we experience our carnival, I just want to challenge you. Do you know Jesus? Have you really made that commitment? If you're hearing his voice to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't know what all that means, but I want to follow you. And if you have, if you haven't, today... Just simply turn to him and, and in your heart say, Jesus, I want you in charge. I, I, you died for me and my sins. Forgive me. I want to be yours. It's as simple as that in your own words. And if you have done that, are you secure in Jesus? 
If you're struggling whether or not you really know Jesus and that's been hanging over your head, oh, please talk to one of our pastors or somebody here to help you just talk through that and figure that out because God wants you to know exactly where you are and He wants you to have security and freedom. And if, if kids, if you're that way and you're not sure, like, what are my mom and dad going to think? You know, we go to church, you know, talk with them. You know, we'll help and walk through that. But have those conversations. And if you are struggling with that sin and you're feeling like God doesn't love you a whole lot right now, that's a lie. God does love you. And if He's trying to bring you out of your sin, recognize that that by itself is an act of God's love. And that nothing can take you out of Jesus' hand and nothing can take you out of the Father's hand. That you are secure, not just your salvation, but in everything in this life. If you're going through the junk that you're His sheep and you're secure. No matter how difficult or how hard it is right now, that you're secure in Him. And ask Him to work in all of those things, that He's got you. Even when you feel like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, He says, I know, but I'm going to make it for you. Trust Him. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank You for the Lord Jesus who loves us, who died on the cross for us. Thank You for that relationship that we have. Lord, there's never an excuse for us to sin and to do wrong. In fact, as we become followers of you, there's every reason to do right because you've forgiven us, you've changed us, you've empowered us to live. But Father, we recognize that we're still sinners and we will still wrestle with those things till the day we die. Thank you that you've forgiven, that everything is done even before we do them. It's not an excuse but it's something that gives us comfort and security and help us, Father, to walk in those two realities. So, Lord, whatever needs to happen in each of our hearts this morning before our carnival time, I pray for your work in our life. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.